Good morning. Let's pray before I begin. Holy and loving God, we thank you for uh, gathering us in this place this morning that we might uh, be trees planted beside canals of living water and that we might drink deeply of your word. Uh, we pray that you would foster our imaginations and put it on our lips as we leave this place this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you might be wondering what, what all these props are that I brought up here. I am a coffee roaster. I love coffee. And so about six years ago, I started roasting my own coffee. Uh, I roasted this yesterday. And it is a, a Mexican coffee. Uh, coffee. I buy green beans and then I roast them. You could say I'm probably kind of a coffee snob because of that. Um, but it all started, um, all you need is a popcorn maker. I started roasting coffee in uh, Whirly Pop. They're great for making kettle corn, but it's just a stove top <laughs> popcorn maker and you turn it like this. And I decided I needed to change my coffee roasting technique. It actually roasts it nicely, but it, um, when you roast coffee, it creates a lot of smoke. And even though I had a hood, it didn't catch all the smoke. And so when my ceiling started turning yellow, <laughs> that was a sign that I needed to change things up. So now I roast outside and it caught, there's a lot of smoke when you roast coffee because of the chaff. And this is, this is chaff here that I collected yesterday. Dave said I could do this, that you have a vacuum here. Um, but if you don't know, chaff is um, very light. And it just, this is from roasting that coffee that I showed you yesterday. Chaff is of no value. It's of no substance. So it just blows away or gets burnt up. Now I roast coffee in an air popper so the chaff doesn't all get burnt out up some of it gets blown out and blows away outside or some still gets burnt up and it's still quite smoky um, but this is what was left over from that coffee that i showed you there's quite a bit of chaff the psalmist when he speaks of chaff he's not talking about chaff from roasting coffee but in the ancient near east chaff was from wheat or grain gathered and then they would thresh it outside and as they would thresh it outside, the chaff would be driven away by the wind. And you would have left the valuable, nutritious grain that could be made into all sorts of different food. Like coffee, my coffee beans are left for me to make coffee like I did this morning. Um, and the chaff is blown away or burnt up. In the psalm, we are presented with two ways and they are illustrated with two images. One is the way of the wicked, the sinner, and the scoffer. And that is illustrated with chaff. And the other is the way of the righteous. It is the way of the one who meditates on the Lord's word and that is illustrated by a tree planted by canals of water. So with that in mind, I'll read Psalm 1. Blessed are those 
who do not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of scoffers, but who delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on the law day and night. They are like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will be destroyed. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The way of the wicked, the sinner, the scoffer, is the way of chaff. Um, The wicked, you can think about the wicked, those are the people who intentionally or unintentionally act in a way that causes injustice, that is harmful. They are actions, they are active, they are doing. The sinner is in some ways more of an inward disposition. Um, It's I think of Luther and his definition of skin. It's like scoliosis of the spine where you become turned inward. All you see is the self or a horizontal plane. There's no orientation vertically to God. Or the scoffer is sitting. That's what scoffers do, isn't it? You sit in your circle and you gossip and you say harmful words that tear people down, the scoffer, the mocker. They sit and they cause harm with their words. This picture of the wicked, the sinner, the scoffer, it's really comprehensive. It includes actions, kind of that inward disposition of the heart and thoughts and words. And so, as I considered this way of the wicked, the sinner, and the scoffer, there was no way to disqualify myself from it. We fall into these categories, maybe not all the time, but sometimes with our actions, intentionally or unintentionally, with the dispositions of our hearts and our thoughts, or with our words as we cut people down. It's hard not to fall into one of these categories at some point, maybe in our day. And so, what do we do when we find ourselves on this path? When we are chaff being driven by the wind, that image of chaff being driven by the wind, the, the word there, driven, it made me think of the Hebrew slaves in Egypt and the taskmasters driving them to make bricks. The wind drives chaff wherever it goes. And wind can take many different forms. Wind can be greed or lust or selfishness or racism or cynicism, covetousness, self-criticism, self-hate. Is wind It's wind, false gods, idols, 
that drive us this way and that. When we have a horizontal orientation, when we're curled inward on ourselves, concerned more with our own selfish needs and desires, or worried about what other people might be thinking or saying about us, when we seek to be vengeful in with our actions and with our words, we just get driven here and there by these winds, these false gods. And they command our loyalties and our energies, and they drive us this way and that. And when we have a horizontal orientation, we can also get triggered by life circumstances. We get blown this way and that by the rapid rate of change in our world, in our own lives, by the challenges that we face that come suddenly out of nowhere. Rolf Jacobson, who's an Old Testament scholar, he says this about Psalm 1, the direction given life by the wicked expresses their sinfulness and cynicism in their very autonomy, they are wrong. That last phrase stands out to me. In their very autonomy, they are wrong. The theme song of Chaff, I think, is uh, Frank Sinatra's My Way. <laughs> I really like Frank Sinatra, and that's a great song, but My Way. It's really an American anthem, isn't it? My Way. I did it my way. And when we do it my way, and we are concerned with ourself and our successes, when we're turned inward, when we only have a horizontal orientation, we get blown this way and that way, changing depending on how we are feeling or the circumstances that are happening in our lives. We are blown about here and there. Psalm 1 presents another way, a way that is an alternative to the path of autonomy, the path of the wicked and the sinner and the scoffer. It's a way that actually God gives, a different way that God gives, a way where God waters and watches over those on that way. It's a way that God gives in the law. God is the law giver. And the law that's mentioned in Psalm 1, it's Torah. It's not just the law, but Torah means instruction. The one who meditates on the Lord's instruction day and night. That is the other way that God gives as gift. Torah was given to Moses and to Israel as a gift. As a gift not to have right behavior or to do good things for other people, but a gift so that they might be in relationship with the living God. Instruction was giving so that they might know how to be in relationship with God, so that they might be reminded of the God who loves them with steadfast love. So Torah 
is about relationship, to meditate on the Lord's instruction day and night is to meditate upon the relationship, upon the lawgiver, the teacher. Delighting in the law means not to delight in the teaching itself, in the instruction, but to delight in the teacher. John Eaton, who is a Psalms scholar, he says, at the center of it all was not the teaching But the teacher, the divine guide, the greatest pleasure and delight is to meditate on the teacher, to devote your life to the teacher. That's what the disciples did. They didn't devote themselves to the teaching of Jesus. They devoted themselves to the teacher. And so Peter, when he's called to follow after Jesus, when Jesus calls him, he falls down and worship at Jesus' feet. He's devoting himself not to Jesus' teaching, but to Jesus, to knowing Jesus. God gives us instruction that we might walk in this way, this way, and be absorbed into the life of the teacher into the life of Christ. John 15, another tree image, that the vine abides in the branches. The branches are connected to the vine and they abide in one another. The mystery of the gospel is that when we delight in the teacher, the teacher actually dwells within us. Christ lives in us. So how do we delight in this Teacher in the law, in God's instruction. The psalmist gives us two ways, and that is to meditate and be transplanted. To meditate and transplant. The Hebrew word for meditate is not just sitting there, you know, cross-legged, like home. That can be a really fruitful meditation. It engages our parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and restore side of things as opposed to the fight or flight response. And so that meditation is good. It opens us up to be receptive to God's word. But this word in Hebrew, to meditate, is such a rich word. It means to muse on, to imagine, to mutter and mumble, to imagine. I love that. To have our holy imagination foster and engaged. And so that we might, when we meditate on God's instruction, when we meditate on God's word, that we might imagine ourselves there with Jesus at the well. There when Jesus healed. We might imagine ourselves there at the cross, there at the empty tomb. We might have our holy imaginations fostered so that we might imagine this day as I wake up, what does this day look like living with Jesus? What does this day look like being planted by streams of water? What does that mean to be a tree, to be a tree planted by streams of water that flourishes like in Jeremiah 17 when the drought comes to be a tree whose leaves do not wither 
to have our imaginations fostered as we muse on that and ponder it. And then to murmur it, to have the word on our lips that's sweeter than honey, to be constantly murmuring and mumbling God's word as we go throughout our days, to have it on our lips that it might transform our speech so that we're not finding ourselves in the seat of scoffers, mumbling gossip and hurtful words, but that we might be people who have words of encouragement and love that build one another up on our lips. So we are to meditate on God's word and we are to be transplanted, to be planted by streams of water. That word in the Hebrew, it it can be translated as transplanted. It's an intentional planting. It's not just a seed that randomly blows and lucky seed you land by streams of water, but it's a transplanting by streams of water. As I thought about that, I thought about the Ents in the Lord of the Rings, if you're familiar with it. The Ents tree beard, they're like walking giant trees. So I had this image of to be transplanted. How do you transplant yourself as a tree? And so I had this image of this ant slowly transplanting itself next to streams of water. That is our part, to be transplanted, to put ourselves by streams of living water. And then it's God's part that brings the growth. When Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but it was God who brought the growth. Our part is to transplant ourselves, to transplant, if we have children or grandchildren, to transplant them and put them near streams of living water. And that word, streams of living water, the image in the Hebrew is that of an irrigation canal, not just a random stream, but canals that are irrigating, full of living water, that give water in a parched land. And that is what God's word does. Isaiah 55 talks about how the word of God is like rain that comes and waters and brings forth fruit, and that God's word never returns empty, just as The rain waters and brings forth fruit. God's word never returns empty. And Jesus, when he's at the well with that woman in the middle of the day, offering her living water, he's offering relationship with himself. Jesus is the living water. So we can transplant ourselves and be near Jesus, be transplanted in God's word so that God might water us. God waters transplants. God waters transplants. That we might be trees, as the psalmist says, whose leaves do not wither when drought comes and that bear fruit and prosper in all that they do. It's a green, leafy tree full of fruit because of the care and the provision, the living water of God. And then those people who take this way, rather than becoming 
chaff driven and blown by the wind are people with roots drawing on living water whose leaves stay green and prosper are people of substance rather than chaff that's driven by the wind. People who are of value, who are, provide nutrition to others. A leafy, fruitful tree is not just good in and of itself and healthy and strong and rooted, but a leafy, fruitful tree provides for others. A leafy, fruitful tree is able to provide shade to those who are weary and beaten down by life with encouraging words, with acts of kindness and love. A leafy, fruitful tree is able to provide sustenance to its neighbors, provide fruit to those in need with their actions and with their resources. And a healthy, fruitful tree planted by water is able to withstand drought, with able to withstand storms that rip off branches. This is not a psalm, a prosperity psalm. Even though it says those who meditate on the word of the Lord are like those who will prosper, who will bear fruit, be leafy and green and prosper. This is not a prosperity gospel psalm. This psalm does not give you a, a force field to protect you against storms and drought. Rather, it's saying, if you are a tree planted by streams of water, meditating on God's word, you will with, be able to withstand the droughts that will come. Because droughts do come in life. Storms do come in life. Global pandemics happen in life. Deaths happen in life. Heartache and sorrow happen in life. But those who are trees planted by streams of living water are able to withstand the drought, withstand the storms. Because God is a great arborist. Scripture begins with a tree and it ends with a tree. And then Jeremiah 17, we heard it today. John 15, one of Jesus' most famous parables he tells to his disciples about being a vine and branches and being connected. Trees are littered all throughout Scripture. And God is a great arborist. He, he waters and he watches over his trees. So plant yourself near streams of water that he might watch over you and guide you. Verse 6 is the first time we hear God's action in this psalm. It's the first and only utterance of God and what God does. And it says, God watches over the way of the righteous. God waters you and he watches over you. He knows your way. He knows you. The word there, watches over, is actually the Hebrew word knows. It's an intimate knowing. God knows you. He knows the storms and the droughts. And he waters you and he watches over you in the midst of them. That you might be a tree that's healthy, but also that provides fruit and shade 
to others. That's not just good for itself, but for others. It's interesting in the psalm, in the translation that we have, in order to be gender neutral, it says, blessed are those. And it's those and they at the beginning of the psalm, but it's actually in the singular. Blessed is the one would be a better translation. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but the one who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on God's law day and night, that one is like a tree. It's singular, but then the mockers and the sinners and the scoffers is in the plural. And so you have this image at the beginning of the psalm where there's an individual by themselves confronted with odds against them, the masses against them. And it can feel like that sometimes when you put yourself on the path with God, when you put yourself in the way of meditating on God's law, that you're outnumbered. But then the psalm ends in the plural, the company of the righteous, the individual who is solo, who meditates on God's law, suddenly at the end finds themselves in the company, in the congregation, of the righteous and God, the first instance of God, the mention of God, is that God watches over you. The one who begins alone by themselves ends with people, with a community, with a congregation, and God watching over them. They are not alone gathered into a community. God gathers us into community. And so that's one of the benefits of God being our great arborist is that God grows groves like your grove out here. Not just solo trees planted, but groves of trees that he watches over, that he waters and he protects. Joshua 1.8, it's a favorite scripture of mine. It says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. This is Moses' last instructions to Joshua. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Sounds almost exactly like Psalm 1, doesn't it? Meditate on this, on God's instruction, and then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. As we meditate on God's word, as we are planted in the presence of Jesus, we are strengthened. We are watched over. We have the gift of God's presence. God waters and watches over the transplanted. As you might remember, when I've mentioned it a couple other times, in September of 2019, I had a horrible bike accident. I suffered a traumatic brain injury, and I was in the hospital for 20 days. And my memory was pretty horrible for, I don't remember any of that time. It was horrible for three months and, and then got a little better incrementally after that. My wife tells this story about in the hospital, right after that accident, that I was mumbling something. And she leaned in, and I was saying refuge and strength. It's my favorite psalm, Psalm 46. I don't remember that time. I was 
essentially unconscious, but I was mumbling the word of God in that valley, in that hospital bed. When we meditate, when we plant ourselves near streams of water, God is with us and it's strengthening us for those seasons of drought and for those storms that we might be trees that bear fruit. God waters and watches over the transplanted. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.